Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. Life changed two plus months ago as workers headed home to work as the coronavirus took hold. Most thought, including myself, that two months later working from home, hopping on endless Zoom meetings, well, now it's become the norm. The question becomes then, as guidelines start to lift and people start to get back to work and they deem work safe, workplace safer to go, will working from home be a little more the norm and we now start telecommuting. And with these changes comes the needed and necessary communications tools and infrastructure that for most companies didn't even exist when this all started. So to help shed some light on this subject, I have Brian Anderson, Digital Transformation Specialist and Founder of Telecomprehensive Solutions that works with businesses to help them think through the technology strategies, focus on, focusing on customer experience, employee satisfaction, security, and ease of use. Brian, welcome. Thank you for having me, Angelo. It's good to be on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I think this is a, a great timing on this discussion. The certainly the the topic is of utmost importance. I think is is you probably and we're going to learn about what you've been up to over the last few months because I'm sure all of a sudden it was like drinking from a fire hose. Um, and and I'm personally curious on kind of what you see as far as your clients and in the industry in general moving towards. Uh, as we come out of this pandemic and people start to get back to work uh, at, at the next new normal, I'm not sure there is a new normal. Maybe it might be the next new normal. Who knows what they're going to call it? But I think there's going to be a lot of changes. So, but before we start, I gave you an intro, but why don't you take a few minutes and tell the audience about you, your business, and the services that you provide? Sure. Um, again, my name is Brian Anderson. I'm the founder of Telecomprehensive Solutions. We are a telecommunications and technology consulting and brokerage firm. Uh, so we do a lot of fractional CIO, CTO engagements for small to medium sized revenues to or small and medium sized revenue organizations to help them execute digital transformation strategies, unlock their data silos, enable remote work and perform just more effectively, reduce bottom line operating costs, increase uh, human capital productivity and, uh, you know, soft gains primarily, uh, as well as creating new revenue sources by unlocking the data that already exists in their business and helping them identify where are those revenue opportunities actually sitting, what new products can be introduced and where, where can those uh, revenue channels actually get unlocked to help drive the business. So um, I've been in applied applied strategic technology positions for over 20 years in various uh, industry verticals. Uh, a lot of in a lot of experience specifically in sales and marketing, business development and operations and, you know, setting those processes and putting the platforms in place to support the processes that we designed to help companies scale and grow effectively and efficiently. And now I've just made that our full time mission to help improve the lives of our clients and the, their employees and their customers and, uh, you know, really, really elevate that brand experience that people engage with my clients. Okay. You said something that was interesting, and, and before we kind of continue on with the conversation about unlocking uh, your client's data. So I'm a data geek. There's so much information that, that exists within the walls of an organization, and many times they didn't even know what they have. 
And so really, I would imagine that in your business, being able to show them how they can capitalize on this data to, to really make it work for them must uh, must be a, a good part of your business, or if not, certainly should be. And maybe the listeners here today will call up and say, I got a lot of data, please unlock it. But I find that so many times they have to dig or they don't know how to capture it. I, I, I did. I was working with this company in in and they were in their target audience were retail retailers and it was in the credit card processing industry and one of the things we started to see were patterns and you know i was trying to use the data that they were gathering to predict churn and look for cues that the the retailers were giving us signs we are about to fire us basically and when i went in they said oh we got all this data and then when i asked for it they basically handed me a box of paper Mm-hmm. Nothing was digitized. Nothing was consistent. Everybody was doing their own thing and it was just a mess. Anyway, that was just an example that I, I threw out there. But so what is kind of your ahas or, you know, the, the little slap on the head going, I can't believe they did this uh, when it comes to uh, people's and companies' data? You know, I wouldn't say that there's any, you know, slap over the head. Um, I, I think that by and large, organizations fall into a similar uh, cadence with their business operations that doesn't necessarily allow them to think innovatively or objectively actually about their company. And so that provides opportunities for what I call discovering the hidden obvious. There are (laughs) things that that when, when somebody steps in from the outside and has, you know, no, no legacy institutional knowledge of why things got to be a certain way. It, the question of why are you doing it this way becomes a lot more um, I think facilitated from an investigation standpoint. And so that unlocks the opportunity to see things that are hidden in plain sight that when you're entrenched in those operations day to day, possibly you don't have the framework to be able to step out outside of that and see it clearly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, before we start, uh, we already started. Before we get into it a little bit more, I, I typically ask my guests, some consistent questions. So the first is, when it comes to growing your business, what keeps you up at night? Ooh, cybersecurity and protecting all of my clients' downline information. Uh, you know, we do have a lot of information that we collect on our clients uh, as far as, you know, their infrastructure, not necessarily, you know, their own private data, but just, you know, notes on infrastructure, architecture, systems design, uh, process engineering. Some of that becomes IP that we fold back into our clients' organizations. So just maintaining that and keep keeping security, especially for organizations that have now moved into a remote working environment, obviously, you know, home internet, Forum employees typically is not architected the same way that it would be behind a firewall within a premise-based business. And so a lot of what we've been doing over the last couple of months here has been helping some of our clients existing to uh, put those security measures in place and redevelop some of their policies, create uh, bring-your-own-device you know, policies, mobile device management policies that perhaps they didn't actually have currently in their business uh, at the time that COVID unleashed itself on the world. And so, you know, thinking those through and helping people to figure out exactly what those 
data management policies and security management policies for employees in remote work is really kind of what keeps me up at night to make sure that, you know, they're not going to be at risk, you know, for cyber attacks, for ransomware, for data exfiltration, uh, you know, employees that may have gotten furloughed, you know, might have access to sensitive company data. We need to make sure that that can't be walked out the door and applied somewhere else. So, well, you said something that too that, I mean, given COVID and everybody going home is is not only the the cybersecurity issues or security issues in in general, but policies. There probably a lot of organizations didn't have any real strict governance on using company equipment at home and and you know that kind of stuff. So I would imagine that. It has probably scared a whole lot of folks when it comes to protecting their data and their infrastructure. You know, I think there's a there's a increasing level of awareness about the importance of that. Unfortunately, um, my experience is that this is one of those areas that often gets overlooked. Uh, the immediate demands of the business to maintain productive, keep the work going, becomes mission critical, and you know some some of these risk management initiatives often get sidetracked a little bit or or placed in the backseat when really they should be the first priority and everything mm -hmm. else should flow in from that. Yeah, interesting. All right, so my next question is what is the best business advice you've ever given and or received if it's different? I believe that the best business advice that I've ever gotten actually came from one of my managers when I was working with uh, a data analytics group with Apria Healthcare. And he very much stressed that your people are your biggest asset. And I personally had been going through a, a personal situation um, that, you know, he stepped in and from a very compassionate perspective, helped get me resources outside of, you know, work itself to make sure that I was able to successfully navigate those life circumstances that were happening outside of work. And taking that level of leadership and compassion and care and helping to ensure that, you know, everything that was going on with me was going to be minimized as far as the impact that we brought into the office, but but really leading through that compassion that has been a takeaway and something that I've looked for with every organization that I've worked with since then. Okay. Okay. Now, you started this business in about 2017-ish? Correct. Okay. So if you think about your 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 journey as a business owner and, and just your life as a, as a business person, if it was a book, what would the title be? <laughs> this this one stumps mm. everybody. <laughs> we can come back to it. We can come back to it. You no, know, you know, I, I I think it would have to be uh, you know a journey of faith. Journey of faith is really what okay. the. Absolutely. I mean, anybody who makes that decision, you know, Steve, Steve Harvey has a great talk that he gave when he was doing, I, I believe it was The Price is Right or Family Feud, one of them. He's talking to the audience and he talks about, uh, you know, the parachute and anybody who opens a business has to jump off of the cliff and they have to just have faith that that parachute's going to open. 
you know, and he's got this great story about it. It may not open right away. You might actually bounce off the, the cliff a couple of different times. But if you have faith and you keep going, that parachute will open because it has to. And I, I believe that that's absolutely true in running a business is, you know, we don't always have the answers. We have to have that faith and just know that that parachute will open as long as you're doing those right things along the way and pushing forward uh, and not not allowing yourself to be paralyzed. Well, I think it's, uh, it, it, in, and I, I love that analogy. Actually, for someone who's actually jumped out of an airplane, you, the chute did open, but man, for about 10, 15 seconds, I don't know, <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. But, uh, but it, you know, it's one step, right? You have to take that first step in order to make that happen. So whether it's the first step jumping off the cliff or jumping out of an airplane or to start a business, I mean, it, it all begins with that one step. So let's talk about your one step. So in 2017, you, you, you know, this shows about business and about entrepreneurs. And, and I always like to find, you know, what was that spark? What, what happened? You woke up one morning and said, hey, I'm going to start a business today. Probably didn't happen that way. I actually said that to somebody a few weeks ago and they said, well, exactly. It's exactly how it happened. I woke up and said, I'm going to start a business. But what drove you to start this business? So I've been very fortunate. I do a lot of networking. I'm very involved in some community organizations, including the Greater Irvine Chamber of Commerce, where I chair their business and workforce development committee. And one of uh, one of my colleagues, another another business owner uh, who is a member of the chamber and uh, serves in leadership with me, he and I were having a conversation, and I had been just not really content with some of some of the employment arrangements that I had had, um, you know, not not content with seeing the way that a lot of technology companies actually pursue their client onboarding process with how they go about their sales and, uh, you know, over promising, under delivering uh, predatory contracts, you know, a lot of different things that, you know, make it really hard to say, you know, absolutely, this is a viable product when you see uh, that, you know, the, comp- the potential client is the round peg and they've got this, you know, square box and they're going to just jam everybody into it and let, let those ones sort out on the outside. And so we were having a conversation around that and, uh, you know, his recommendation was, you know, what you need to do is just get, get your own thing started. You're at that point, you know, you've, you've really done it. And, you know, as we kind of worked through that, it, re- it really was that support from my existing network that said, yeah, this is this is a viable approach. You know, we were able to then go to you know seven or eight other individuals that I knew and trusted, and you know really put together kind of a uh, a vetting group, and and we presented the entire idea of the company that I wanted to put out, and kind of gauged that value, got that feedback, and across the board, you know, all the all of them being business owners themselves really had that same input of wow, if only I had access to something like that when I was trying to get this done, that would have been mm-hmm. incredible. So yeah. uh, it's, it's funny you said that. So my first business, I, it was it was a leap of faith. And I, I loved I wanted to be in the video production industry. Right? I wanted to make commercials. And and these uh, I was maybe 23. And these two older gentlemen, uh, about 45, give or take, convinced me that we could start a production company and bring Hollywood to Orange County. That lasted eight months. <laughs> The second one, the second one, I was thinking about uh, becoming a a strategic planner because I was in the advertising business. But so I went out in in my in my 
clients would be advertising agencies. So basically taking the stuff that I did for one firm and go do it for multiple firms. And I did what you did. I put together a group. I went around. I talked to people. I talked to technically my competitors, you know, vetted the idea for months before I, I took that step. And, and then eventually did. Ironically, not a single person that was on that betting list ever hired me, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I don't hold a grudge, guys. It's been 30 years, but that's okay. Um, all right. So, you know, you know, what was interesting was uh, actually the, the day that I filed my business license, I had been planning on doing it a week prior. Um, my, my birthday is July 17th, and that was the original plan was I was going to file my business license on my birthday. And uh, that for a number of reasons, didn't quite happen. So it was the following Monday, and I had my my son with me at the time. Uh, you know, at that point he was six years old. We went down to the, uh, you know, to the county offices and filed the business license. And I came out of that just going, "Wow, what have I just done?" You know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, originally the plan was, you know, to have about six months after filing the business license to actually open my doors. Um, and as I was walking out of the county offices, I got a call from uh, the person that I had been partnered with previously, and he, you know, just let me know, hey, uh, you know, he had had a death in the family, he was going to be moving out of state, was going to be winding things down, and I just had this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to be doing here? <laughs> uh, that was exactly the way that this was planned for today and by the time I got off of the freeway on the way home I received a call from one of my colleagues who I had actually uh, previously architected some solutions for one of his clients and you know our first day in business I ended up writing 28 lines of service for him you know and that conversation was interesting because it was like well you know I just have to let you know <laughs> as of this morning I, I filed my business license so there's been that change and you know their feedback was like oh great you know that, that is the best thing that you could have told me because, you know, part of the reason why we had not made a decision yet was we weren't quite sure. But since you're doing this for you, you know, that resolves all of that. Let's go ahead and move this forward. You know, so so by the end of the day, I had that same experience with two different people and we wrote 35 lines of business, you know, my first day in operations. And it really wasn't a plan to be fully operation even all for six months. So, yeah, that's great. Well, you know what? I, I love when that happens. It's uh you, you just never know. Uh, and I won't. I won't deviate as too much with those kinds of war stories. But uh, yeah, it is. Sometimes you, you, to your point, faith, and it kind of can happen for you. So in in the last couple months, then, and we start thinking about what businesses are doing. I mean, if you've gotten a lot of calls and and with your clients now saying, okay, you set us up, we're now home. And frankly, we're not going back to the office. We need to enhance what we're doing. So, you know, what do you kind of see out there in the in the business world here in, in, in Southern California when it comes to kind of post-COVID getting back to work? Sure. Um, fortunately for my existing clients, they were in pretty good shape to be able to make that, you know, remote work environment happen. Uh, you know, we focus on cloud-first infrastructure with our clients. And so, you know, a lot of the conversations that I've been having since this time have been with organizations who did not necessarily have those capabilities in place previously and are looking for new solutions, how to integrate, you know, disparate, disparate systems together, uh, automate their communication flows and channels and uh, a lot of virtual events. Um, you know, there's been, you know, I do, I do a lot of in-person networking historically, you know, uh, that's just, 
part and parcel of the way that I've grown my business, uh, you know, whether that was early on through organizations like BNI or Provisors, you know, the, the Chambers of Commerce, uh, Executive Next Practices Institute, there's, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for in-person networking that exist out in the world. But once all this happened, you know, that all got shut down. So everyone is, you know, scrambling and trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this in a virtual world? And so I've been doing a lot of consulting around virtual events, uh, helping to plan online co conferences and get the right technical solutions and software platforms in place to deliver on the, uh, the experience promise that those organizations are looking to deliver for the attendees of their virtual events. And there's a broad spectrum of solutions that are out there. Uh, and there's a broad spectrum of price points. And so really understanding what is that return, how, how core is that virtual event delivery to, you know, their overall business operations from a uh, sales development and, you know, prospecting development and pipeline development perspective, what those potential ROIs are and how to cater your business processes around successfully structuring those virtual events and then monetizing and tracking that in a split testing environment against your historical results of what your in-person traction was. So it's, it's, been, it's been a really interesting change in the conversation over the last 60 days. Yeah, I would imagine. The, you mentioned talking about virtual events. I mean, we've been living in virtual events now for a couple months with, you know, 67 people on a Zoom call, you know, and everybody's in a little one-by-one one square foot. Uh, <laughs> you need magnifying glass to see everybody. But when you think about kind of conferences and stuff now that have why they canceled, now they're coming back in this virtual world. And, and you know, there's certainly tools out there now. But do you see kind of a, a new onslaught of technology to, to, to really make that more of a, an interactive experience and more of an, a connected experience, if you will, than you might have with a, you know, using a Zoom to, to do something? Oh, I Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of, one of the primary things that we always look at when evaluating software is, you know, what is that application? What is the utility? What is that ROI? You know, what are the restrictions? What is our opportunity to integrate? You know, how can we automate as much as we can around, you know, these different solutions that we're looking at? And, you know, Zoom can be a fine platform. Uh, you know, my company, we are a partner. We're an authorized, you know, reselling partner for the Zoom platform. Uh, and it's got a great, you know, if a great value proposition as far as price point and capability, but it's definitely not purpose built as a, as an online conference software mm -hmm. uh, where yeah. you've got trade show booths and specific vendors and break and, and the ability to uh, create, you know, document management uh, and actually have download resource links available. You know, that's just not that platform. There's other ones that are out there that, that do manage that. So really working through that entire, you know, uh, attendee experience, and and putting the strategy together and identifying the platform that's going to deliver on that promise of that experience that they're looking for, you know, that's really where we focus our efforts primarily. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, from a, I mean, I'm going to, I'll use a word, you can tell me if it's correct, but you're a technologist in a sense that, and you're really looking at from a value-added reseller or an integrator. I mean, you're really looking at, best to breed what are the best products and services based on the, the needs of the customer you're not selling a specific solution but but 
you're selling a specific solution, but not a specific product for that solution, right? You're, you're looking at, you're analyzing my company and determining how many people I have, what's the problems, you know, what am I, what kind of data am I using? You know, do I have to have extra security on it? Um, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you do in, in, in a nutshell. No, that, that's exactly correct. That's, that's exactly right. I, I am a technologist and I am an advocate for technology and strategic applied technology applications. Um, you know, I, uh, we consider ourselves to be platform and, you know, technology stack agnostic. Uh, you know, I don't personally care whether you're in a Microsoft environment, an Oracle environment, SAP, uh, you know, Google, Google Cloud, Alibaba Cloud, doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the question is what what are the what are the challenges that are exist in the business what are the goals that we're trying to get to and what are the different technology solution sets that are out there that can help us get those and then what is that value proposition against each other right so okay. really really al aligning those outcomes to the right technology stack uh, for you know integration purposes and ecosystem design and everything else uh, and, and that's exactly right I'm not an engineer there are engineers working with a lot of the solution providers that are out there uh, you know my, my job is really to understand what that landscape looks like and help get those alternative architecture solutions really kind of put together so that the best one for my clients are the ones that are, you know, then able to be brought to the table, evaluated correctly in as, as much of an apples to apples type of an environment as we can get. Okay. Uh, I like stories. And so do you have a story you can tell about uh, something a customer did right or frankly did wrong and some of the repercussions and when, when they're evaluating? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I had a uh, client of mine who was originally referred to me because they needed a quote unquote new phone system. And I, I was told when I was brought into the account because I was re referred by one of their internal employees um, who just said, Hey, you know, I know somebody you should talk to. Okay, great. You know, and I go in and we, we have the conversation about, okay, what is it that you're looking for? What's the, what's the problem with the phone system you have? Uh, what's, what's that business goal? Why is this changing? And there was a combination of things. They weren't really happy with the service provider that they had had in place. They had had some support issues. They'd had some billing issues that made it a negative, you know, experience for them. And then they had a business uh, growth issue. They were one of three, companies that had been on a year long uh, testing program for a national contract that was going to, you know, that the uh, client was looking for one company to award the entire business to, and they ended up being selected as that. So their workload through that contract accelerated 300% and their operations were not architected to actually support that. So they had a group of 30, uh, you know, account managers, uh, project coordinators that were, you know, sitting basically in a bullpen area. And their original solution to that was, okay, we're going to be growing, you know, with three times the additional workload, we're going to grow that department three times as well and add another, you know, 60 employees in there to, to manage, you know, that, that offset. 
So as we, as we looked at what they were really trying to do, uh, we ended up bringing in a new technology solution. You know, I, I went out to five different companies that, you know, were in our provider portfolio based off of the integrations that they told me didn't, they needed and some of the other things. We sat back down with their, with their manager of IT and their VP of business operations. And in, in our second meeting, the vice president of the company came in and said, well, you know, here, here, here's some information that they didn't give you. <laughs> and these are, these are some additional requirements that we have, which changed the entire landscape of, of the providers that we had originally identified for them. Um, you know, it, that just completely drastically changed it. So what we ended up doing was we brought in a uh, IVR solution, an integrated voice response system mm -hmm. that, that was backed by AI. We were able to link it to their existing customer service database, uh, basically do a data dip into their database for existing work orders. You know, their, their call flow times were, you know, pr pretty out of hand. It was about seven and a half hours or seven and a half minutes of call handling time uh, just to ingest the call with a 14 minute call resolution on top of that. So 21 minutes per call. Uh, after we brought in the solution that we did, we delivered that, we reduced the delivery time down to 16 seconds per call. And the average resolution time was under five minutes. And so, oh, wow. you know, overall, overall, they took the existing spend that they had and we were able to maximize that efficiency enough that rather than adding 60 employees, uh, they ended up adding 15 employees to that group and saved about a million dollars in payroll. And we were very fortunate that uh, we were able to, through some of those initiatives, we got them onto the Inc. 500 list and have been able to keep them there over the last couple of years. Oh, nice, nice. I like that. So um, we are we are coming down to the end we got a few minutes left here what do you think the uh the biggest challenge facing businesses is is you know we move towards this post-covid world you know what do you what do you in, in talking to you know your clients or the associations that they go go to you know what do you what are people seeing as their their big challenge you know i think a lot of people are experiencing that there is a growing need to connect with all the stakeholders in their organization through a more authentic and compassionate uh, lens than possibly existed before. Um, you know, the, the benefit I think of this entire situation is it has brought back in large part our need to think about, you know, the humanity of everyone that's, surrounded by our brand, whether that's our customers, whether that's our employees, you know, our vendors, and, you know, over communicating uh, through this entire process, you know, what what processes have changed, we've seen it with restaurants, you know, changing their entire uh, delivery system to, you know, from being dine in to a, you know, mobile delivery service or curbside pickup, being able to communicate to the communities that they service exactly what changes that they made, how they're protecting their interests. I, I think that that trend is going to continue past the current situation that consumers now, I think, are starting to realize that they actually do have that power and having their interests protected is a big portion. You know, we, we, we've seen this already through some legislation that's come through recently on the data privacy side of things with organizations. Uh, you know, the California Consumer Protection Privacy Act came out uh, at, in January of this year. And, you know, that gives discoverability to consumers about how, how 
companies that they're interacting with are actually utilizing their information and giving them the ability to say, you can do this with it, you can't do that with it. And having that granular level of permission, I think that there's going to be a, a continuing trend in that area that customers really need to think through how they're empowering their customers to interface with their brand and giving them tool sets to be able to do that. Okay. Because I think too, in, in some of the cases like GDPR and a few of the other uh, compliance that will come out. I mean, the, the 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 business that is holding on to people's data. I mean, if there's breaches and there's issues when it comes to the cybersecurity stuff, I mean, there's there's huge repercussions financially as well. I mean, you could put a company out of business. Absolutely, you know, a- absolutely, and it's not really a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Uh, you know, there are no there are no hundred percent secure systems. There are no hundred percent secure. Uh, or perfectly designed anything, right? So, you know, technology failures, is, it's really about ongoing risk mitigation and and having that uh, that agile framework in place to be able to constantly be innovating around that and increasing those protections. It's not, it's not a, it's done, it's, we said it once and it's done and you forget about it. it yeah. It's something that has to continually be worked on and evolved and mo- moving to meet um, and support, you know, consumers where they are. You know whether whether you're whether you're business to business or whether you're B to C, it doesn't really matter. Uh, that process, I think, is is still really important. And having that transparency with your customers about what you're doing, you know, to protect them and how you're using their information, how you're applying it. If you are monetizing it, as long as you've got their permission, there's no problem with that. But rather than uh, what what has become the norm over the last you know 10, 15 years of burying all of those statements deep inside of the end user license agreement or EULA, as we call them, you know that nobody reads and then companies coming back and saying well you signed off on this this was part of our terms and terms and conditions um you know that that that's practice i think is is starting to really get looked at a lot more finely and saying is that really the the best that we can do here or is there a, a more compassionate and consumer friendly way to approach this yeah i was going to say consumer friendly i know i there's so many times I've clicked on those things just out of curiosity to read as opposed to just clicking the button. And I don't get very far before they bore me to death and I'm just not interested. And you cross your fingers and hope like hell and you press the button. So, well, thank you. Sure. This has been, this has been a, a, a really good conversation. I mean, I, I think, you know, as, as we move out of this, I mean, what you're offering and you're in the technology aspect is going to be some more and more important, especially if people start to stay home and, and more and more needs of, of security issues come to light. Um, you know, I, I haven't read anything on this yet, and maybe you have, but, you know, that one one key person that's sitting at home and, and because they didn't install the proper, you know, the firewalls and VPNs and all that stuff and, and they get hacked at home, it's, uh, it'll be another major conversation and topic to, to deal with, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And one one takeaway that I would recommend is if you find yourself in that situation, if you don't have policies that were previously in place and then set employees to work from home and you have a cyber insurance policy, whether it's a independent rider or its own standalone policy, please go back to your insurance provider and understand what that modification looks like, whether that actually impacts your coverage or not. Um, oftentimes it is, and oftentimes those policies will actually need to be rewritten. So a lot of companies have been making changes 
without really giving thought to that and thinking that they were still covered. Um, and that may or may not be true. It needs to be reviewed. It, it needs to be assessed and it possibly needs to be restructured. Well, great piece of advice. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll end it there on that because it's, it's a great point. It is a great point. Your policies that you had before are probably not the ones you need today. So, uh, Brian, thank you so much. Why don't you uh, take a moment here and give your contact information out and, and how uh, listeners can reach you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, LinkedIn slash Brian C. Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Or you can connect with us through our website at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash T-E-L-E comprehensive.com. All right. Well, fantastic. So thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you out there for listening to this show. You can find out more about me, read my blogs, view my show videos, or sign up to receive more information at theponzigroup.com or certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And if your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me. I love to talk about the benefits of using a fractional CMO. And lastly, Please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to let others know, in, uh, your colleagues and people that you deal with about this show and about the great content like you heard today so they can benefit from it as well. You can go to thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or on any podcast platform that you like to listen to. Join me next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.